My name is Carlos Castellanos and I live... Hello, my name is uh, Manny Guzman. Hey, this is Tilo Lopez. I'm from Hawthorne. I want to leave an ofrenda. Hey, what's up? It's Gustavo Arellano. And today we're doing something a little bit different. Hi, I'm calling to leave a message for the digital ofrenda that the Times is doing for Dia de Muertos. We're celebrating Dia de los Muertos by remembering people who have passed. My audio ofrenda is in honor of my father, John Gradilla, who recently passed away. I wanted to leave a message in honor of my mom, Alicia. Or my father, Manuel Guzman. Day of the Dead is celebrated across Mexico, but more and more, it's becoming part of the landscape of the United States. And even though death is at the forefront, those who observe Dia de los Muertos know that it's really more of a celebration of life. Yo, Greg, hope you're doing well, bud. It sucks that we had to lose you during the pandemic, but it was just yesterday when I saw you at the at the show, at the last show we played together. And, you know, you're a legend in the L.A. metal scene, and everybody know that all the metalheads miss you, dog. Take care. Hope to see you soon in the afterlife. The traditional way to mark the holidays with an ofrenda, an altar filled with photos of your dead loved ones, candles, food, and other stuff that they liked, like candy bars or personal mementos. And most people decorate their ofrendas with marigold flowers called cempasuchil in Spanish, and things like papel picado and maybe even sugar skulls. But there are newer and non-traditional ways to celebrate the Day of the Dead as well, just like this episode. My father, Robert Grubbs, Love the Dodgers and the Lakers and whiskey and good food and family. Some a lot. Thank you. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the LA Times. It's Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Today, we observe Dia de los Muertos with a collection of audio ofrendas or Memories of Lost Loved Ones, from you, our LA Times readers and listeners. I have to admit, I didn't grow up with Dia de los Muertos, so I still have a hard time getting into it. But it seems like I'm in the minority nowadays, and that's a good thing. To see and hear people talk about their dearly departed is powerful, it's beautiful, and it allows people to both mourn and share their lives with others. The idea for this episode was inspired by my colleagues who created a digital altar on the latimes.com website last year and this year. Throughout this episode, I'll be talking to one of the originators, my colleague, Fidel Martinez. Fidel, welcome to the Times. Thank you for having me, Gustavo. So last year, you and our colleagues, Martina Ibanez-Baldor and Vanessa Martinez, all of you asked readers to create a different kind of ofrenda, a digital one on the LA Times website. Why did you want to do it like that? And how did it turn out? Yeah, so the idea for the digital friend that really came from the public events held across Southern California, like the ones at Self-Help Graphics and Arts and Grand Park. And so during the height of the pandemic, these events were unfortunately canceled. So we wanted to recreate a digital public sphere where people could mourn communally. When we launched the project, our... Best case scenario was we would get maybe 40 to 50 submissions. 
but we ended up getting over a thousand submissions from across the country and in four different languages. It was truly, truly amazing. And that's how it came to be. We got a lot of positive comments from readers and people who submitted thanking us because, like I said, COVID really took away that level of public interaction. And this was a way for people to sort of share that memory with others. And something that really struck me last year from some of the ofrendas, they included references that only that person would know about. And in a weird way, it allowed their memory to be public, but also that part of them to be private between the two individuals. And it's, it's been tough and it, it like hit me because they're just like stupid work things that we'd share that only bus drivers would understand. And I wanted to talk to him and I realized he wasn't there. It was truly humbling, the fact that so many people were willing to share a piece of themselves with us. Hello, my name is Alessandra Moctezuma. I'm a professor at San Diego Mesa College, a curator and an artist. And I was married to Mike Davis. There's been so many wonderful tributes to Mike, so eloquent about his work, but it'd be special to have something from us that is so much part of what an ofrenda is, you know, it's just really personal. So my audio ofrenda is for my beloved husband, Mike Davis. So Mike was the kind of person who was reading the news even the last day, you know, he was reading through the news the last day. He was a person who always wrote because he had this belief that you could make the world better but not by ignoring what the problems in it, but by pointing them out. He was not just a scholar. He was not just an academic. He was somebody who was part in the real world. You know, our postman just came by and, you know, asked about him and he was so sad. Mike knew everything about his life. You know, he knew that his wife was sick. So Mike was the kind of person who came and, and he just wanted to connect with everybody. Now, and I think that's very different than the academics that are more set in that kind of ivory tower. And, and I think that that's what I learned from him. You know, what I learned from him, what our kids learned from him is that everybody is important and that we have to listen and that we have to take care of each other. So that's what I learned from Mike and that's what carries me through. And yeah, I think that's it. My name is Carlos Castellanos, and I live in Los Angeles, California. I remember my grandmother, Alejandrina de la Cruz, who passed away a little over a year ago, would always love this time of year. She would create her altar in her living room, a very elaborate altar with the marigolds and the calaveras and the catrinas and pictures of all her muertos, who she loved dearly. She would decorate the altar with all the things that they loved, She'd include pan de muerto, uh, their favorite cervezas, favorite fruits and foods and candies. And every year on Dia de los Muertos, she would invite her friends and family to have dinner. She would make them traditional mole with caldo de gallina, and we'd have pan de muerto, 
and um, it's a little bittersweet this year that she's not around because she loved Dia de los Muertos and she's not around to celebrate it with us. However, now it is our turn to keep her tradition going and to honor one of the greatest women that I've ever known. Thank you. Hi, hello, my name is Dahlia Hernandez and I am from Anaheim in Huntington Beach, California. I am calling in regards to the Dia de los Muertos audio ofrenda. My tia Lupe was a wonderful tia. She loved Juan Gabriel. She really liked El Noah Noah. We planned on going to see Juan Gabriel, who unfortunately is also not with us anymore. And I am so sad that we were not able to go see him live. My tia lived in the San Fernando Valley and she died in 2014. I really miss you, tia. Que descanse en paz. My name is Victor Naro. I am an immigrant rights and labor activist here in Los Angeles. I want to honor my mother, Amparo Vila. My mother lived a life filled with grief and sadness. If she had married the right person, she would have been able to live out her dreams. She was a prolific writer, and she would have been a great novelist or poet. I do the work for justice and immigrant rights today so that others, especially women, are able to fully live their life dreams and aspirations. My mother will be in my presence this year for El Dia de los Muertos. Que viva Amparo Vila. I wanted to talk about my father, Salvador Ramirez. He was born in 1936 in Chihuahua, Mexico, and he immigrated to the United States in the late 40s and into Texas following his dad, who was working on the railroad. And his father passed away when he was really young, and he had to basically raise his two younger brothers and Anyway, I just wanted to remember him on this day, and he was a special man. He really embodied the American dream, went to law school after having dropped out of high school because his English was not great, and he dedicated his life to helping fellow immigrants until the day he died, actually. He was still seeing clients, even though he was in failing health. He was just a good man, and we miss him very much. Thanks. After the break, how collectively sharing memories of our loved ones can help us. Fidel, when I see an altar or an ofrenda, you never get sad. I don't see people crying at them much. It's more like people are looking at the life of the person remembered and also the love that the person who made the altar showed to the person that they're honoring. Because even the simplest ones take time to think out and then make. Even just on the digital one, like you have to upload the photo. You have to write a little bit of everything. And for me, seeing this, you just feel these connections that somehow lift you up. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I think it really resonates with people, right? Because it's them saying, like, hey, this person lived and they mattered. Yeah. And these are the things that I choose to remember about them. I mean, for me, I, 
I, I made an ofrenda for my grandfather and, you know, the little altar that I built for him included a little can of Coke because he loved Coca-Cola and a little alebrije, a little, you know, wooden statue yeah. of, of a bull because growing up before he left Mexico, he was really into bullfighting, was even training to be a bullfighter. And in that way, at least when you have the big ones and now, you know, on the digital sphere, it's like we all collectively expose ourselves. We collectively have this moment so that the grief is no longer so much grieving so much as it's a celebration. Oh, absolutely. I don't mean to generalize, but I, I do feel that for Latinos and Mexican-American families specific, or Mexican families specifically, you go to a funeral and then afterwards you have family gatherings and eventually like that sadness turns into joy because people start telling jokes about this person and just uh -huh. funny memories, right? So I think for me, the way in which happiness and sadness intermingle is really indicative of how life truly is, right? We obviously have our moments of sadness and moments of mourning, but those are also intertwined with some of our happiest memories, right? And to me, I think this holiday kind of brings that out. Uh, my name's Araceli Cruz. I'm originally from Montebello, California, and I currently live in St. Louis, Missouri. So I wanted to do a message for my tío Juan, who died in June. He's part of a very large family and loved to be at parties, and he was always a, a big joy. So it, we're all very sad and still missing him very much because when we have our gatherings or when we're all together, he's definitely a big void that's missing. And I actually have an altar that I keep year round and I've been doing that for several years. So I think for this year, for my tío, I think I'll maybe like put something cute, like a small bottle of, oh, I think of Corona or, or a beer that he really liked. He was just a really, funny man and always the life of the party. So I think what I take from his life is to live life to the fullest and to always be kind and generous to my family. So I think I'm going to take that from him to try to loosen up a bit for sure. Thank you so much for listening and I hope we all have a wonderful celebration of Day of the Dead. So my mom, Elaine Beaumont, was born in 1938 in Wasa Pondern in South Yorkshire. And she was a lovely, quiet young lady who grew into being a, a, a lovely, quiet elder lady and, and passed away Iris flowers were her thing. She loved the color blue. So I'm going to make sure things are blue on an altar. But also, my mom was from Yorkshire. And there's this sense of Yorkshire thrift from anybody that's lived there. And so she was not a hoarder by any stretch. But she did have bags and bags of zip ties that she would collect <laughs> and hold on to. And hotel soaps and things like that. So... As a little joke, I think I'm definitely going to put some things like that on there. She, I think, instilled in me a sense of the need to look after others, 
to make sure that we're okay, but if we're okay, that we're making sure that the people around us are okay, even if we don't know them. And so I think that's something that is a wonderful legacy of hers. My name is Martin Duran, and I am currently visiting San Miguel de Allende in Guanajuato, Mexico. I am a native Angelino, and I really appreciate the opportunity to share about my father, who passed about 15 years ago. His name was Martin Duran Sr., coincidentally. For me, this, this trip has a lot to do with my father because about a year prior to him passing away, I asked him if he could visit anywhere in the world, where would you go? And he said Mexico City, and I was surprised because I thought he would say something like Egypt or Tokyo, but he said Mexico City. And so and I, I'm having these very, very um, sort of mystic experiences. I was at a, a local sports bar yesterday, and I had a, there was a song that he liked by a band called Ten Years Gone, I believe. And the song is, I'd like to change the world, but I don't know what to do. Not a very popular song. So being in this bar and hearing the song was very odd and surreal. Those experiences are very unique and pleasantly a, a good surprise. I'm Kelly Davis, and I'm a freelance journalist based in San Diego, California. Um, my sister Betsy was an artist. She's a graphic designer. And in 2013, she was diagnosed with ALS, which is a terminal and debilitating illness, just a horrible illness where a person slowly loses the ability to move their body and they eventually die. She was one of the first people to use California's End of Life Options Act, which is basically an aid in dying law. It took effect about six weeks before she died. And the law gave her the ability to die on her own terms. And that included throwing a party for family and friends. It gave a lot of her friends a chance to reconnect and to say goodbye to her in a joyful way. Because the ground rule for her end-of-life party, or she called it her rebirth party, actually, it was no crying. So if you had to cry, go someplace else. Otherwise, if you were around her, she wanted people to just be joyful and upbeat. I have little conversations with Betsy, and I have these what-would-Betsy-do moments. So I think about things that I might not immediately do, but Betsy would just for the adventure and the experience of it. So I think I've definitely become, yeah, more more adventurous. She's kind of pushing me to make meaning in life and to live every day the best I can live it. After the break... Fidel and I offer up our own ofrendas. Before we close out this episode with more of your ofrendas, I just want to thank everyone who called in for trusting us with your stories. And I think it's only fair then that if ustedes opened up your hearts to the world, so should Fidel and I. So Fidel, you mentioned earlier your grandpa, but as you do your Areo Altar right now, what else should we know about him? I think for me, my my 
Abuelito Luis, he was my paternal grandfather. Like for me, he was always known as the calladito one, you know, but, but he, <laughs> guy. but he was all, always like, like he was also known for his integrity. I remember a story that my dad used to tell me, you know, when, when my grandfather was working for my uncle at a restaurant. And I remember one, my dad told me that his uncle yelled at my grandfather for not skimming from the cash register. And so my grandfather responded like, well, that's not my money. And so, mm. you know, his, his cuñado, his brother-in-law responded, Luis, if I let my employees take money from the cash register, what makes you think that I wouldn't want you, who's my family member, to, to take that, you know? So to me, that story always stood out. I, I think that the way that he lived his life is something that I try to emulate, right? With honor and dignity. Yeah, dignidad, that's the way to live life. That's the only way to live life. Me, like, if I'm gonna do an ofrenda, I, I have to do it to my mom, mi mami Maria de la Luz Arellano Miranda. I'll always think about her, of course, because, you know, she only passed away a couple of years ago, but especially as long as I'm with the times, I'm always gonna remember her because she died from ovarian cancer just a couple of months into my job. And so like, she never saw everything that I've done here at the paper, but like, she was, I mean, she was amazing. And to me, the memory I'll always have of her was, I did a column about her, about uh, capirotada, the, the Mexican bread pudding that we do for Lent and just how it was my all time favorite dish. And I remember the last time we were cooking it, by then my mom was already bedridden. So like, my cousins, Las de mi tía Maria, they were in our kitchen trying to like teach me how to cook it uh, according to her recipe. And we couldn't find the cloves. Like we could not find the cloves. And my mom somehow got the strength. She's like, you know what? Screw you guys. Ustedes que saben. So she got up in her walker. She hadn't walked in weeks. And she was mad. She was in a lot of pain, but more than anything, she was mad. She's like, look, I'm going to die soon. So if I'm going to die and you're going to try to make my capirotada, at least do it right. So she literally just got it, gave it to us, said no word, and then just went back and to her bed and just went to sleep after that. Like that to me was my mom. She was tough. We, our nickname for her was La Ley, the law, because every you know you don't want to cross her, but she never, you know, she was never cruel. It was always out of love. It was always just wanting to you know, have the people that she loved be in the most comforting places. So, mami, esto es para usted. Porque I hope que usted, here I am at Pocho. I hope que usted tenga um, orgullo de lo que nosotros hemos hecho. So, I love you, mami. So, there you go. I cried. Hasta los machos lloran. So, here you go. So, Fidel... Uh, Oh, how do you get back from that, right? Thank you so much for sharing uh, your story and thank you for everything that ustedes have done with the Digital Ofrenda. No, thank you for sharing that memory with us. I, I, that's, it really, I think it's very indicative, right, of why it's important to take time to reflect and remember those that we loved. And it's always those memories that really stand out, right? And it's what makes us the most connected to them. My name is Betsy Lopez-Wagner. Uh, since the summer of 2020, I now reside in Michigan. I think when I think about Dia de Muertos, I think I would want to share that I, I talk to my loved ones often, whether they hear me. Um, only the stars and my ancestors know. 
if I listen closely, I'll hear the occasional, oh, mija, or hey, chamaca, which is like, hey, Brett. <laughs> um, this upcoming holiday, my grandmother, Avelia, Grandma Via, as she was more affectionately called, is really on my heart and mind. If I were to have time with her, perhaps I would say something along the lines of, I think of you often. I think of you when I look at my hands and I have the urge to create. I think of you when I'm searching for that abuja and hilo so that I can go ahead and crochet. I think of you when the faint smell of canela, that cinnamon crosses my nose on a cold day, or when I pick up a pink tamal, the azúcar with pasas, even though folks will still argue that there's no place for raisins and tamales. Hi, I'm Melissa McCoy. I live in Southern California, and I am a former journalist, worked at the Los Angeles Times for two decades. My altar is for Henry Furman, who passed away in September 2022. Henry was such a calming force in the LA Times newsroom amid so much upheaval in the industry. Uh, and in that newsroom in particular, he was always calm and it meant so much to the people who were left behind after just a spate of layoffs and management changes. He was the quintessential mentor. He cared about helping younger editors and reporters and was a huge champion of underrepresented groups. Henry loved organizations he was involved with through journalism, the Asian American Journalists Association and the American Copy Editors Society. And, you know, I just think he relished those roles that he had as an elder statesman in the craft. Hi, my name is Opie Moreno. I live in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm originally from Fresno, California. My audio altar is for my son, Sebastian Moreno, who passed away from fentanyl poisoning. He passed away on February 3rd, 2022 of this year. Um, Sebastian was very bold. He never sugarcoated anything. Either Sebastian loved you or he didn't love you at all. One of the great things that Sebastian loved to do is play football. A lot of his teammates said he was the smallest one on the team, but hit the hardest. So the year that the pandemic hit, my Sebastian pulled out his 401k, which I was very upset with him. And I'm like, why are you doing that, Sebastian? And he's all, I'm not going to live long enough to enjoy it, Mom. <laughs> and I would be like, Sebastian, you know. I said, okay, well, go pay your car off, you know, do something good with it. So what he did with his 401k and he got 18,000 out, he went and bought food for the homeless. And I came home one day and there was a lot of food in my home. And I was like, oh my God, my son bought groceries for us. Well, the next day it was all gone. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened to all the food? He saw like, it wasn't for us, mom, it was for the homeless. So with his entire check, he went 
and helped out homeless. And he helped out some friends that were going through cancer. And they were out of work for a bit. And he helped them out. And it just, I tell that story because that's the kind of heart my son had. I'm Robin Johnson. I live in Burlington, North Carolina. There's not really much to say about me. I'm just a, a grieving mama trying to bring awareness to this fentanyl that's killing our children. Kenneth Paul King. He was born December 14, 1986. He was, all his life, he's been such a sweet, loving person. He'd do anything for anybody. He loved music. Uh, Eminem, <laughs> Little Wayne, and Duke basketball. <laughs> Gosh, he was a Duke fanatic. It was all about Duke. He knew everything about every player. So when he turned 21, he started doing drugs. And I believe it was to escape his reality. He started out with the pain pills, and then he went to the heroin. And then a drug dealer sold him pure fentanyl. My son died. But my son was not alone. These people let him die. He was a good person. He loved his daughters. God, all he wanted to do was be a better father. My name is Margarita Avila. I live in Newport Coast, California. I am the youngest of the Avila family. And the ofrenda is for my father, Salvador Avila, who passed away at the age of 99 years old. I give an extraordinary story that shows the man that he is, the perseverance of the person he is, is that when he was 50 years old, he started running. He started to learn how to run, and he just kept on learning how to run, to running 5Ks, 10Ks. He did his first alley marathon when he was 75, and then did his last marathon when he was 81 years old. So I think that's pretty extraordinary. My name is Alejandro Gradilla. I'm an associate professor at Cal State Fullerton, and I teach in the Department of Chicana Chicano Studies. My audio ofrenda is in honor of my father, John Gradilla. My father was an immigrant who came to this country as a young child, losing his father in 1942. And he really was the epitome of somebody who understood the challenges of life and rose to his better angels to always make a difference, to make a change. He had a lot of traumas and tragedies in his life, and he never internalized that trauma. Instead, he always flipped it. Life was handing him a lot of lemons, and my father kept on making lemonade as fast as he could. And this year, I'm thinking in terms of for my dad, definitely his altar is going to have some of uh, his favorite, any beer that's on sale, we'll have a beer can there, whatever's on sale at Smart and Final. We will have something sweet, a dessert. He was diabetic and he definitely, you know, loved his sweet. My name is Bill Carpenter and I'm in Washington, D.C. And I'm friend of Mabel John for, since 1991. And she was basically a blues singer 
even though Motown went on to become known for pop soul music, Mabel was their blues artist those early days. Mabel John was the life of the party. She was a ball of energy. She was never a shy person. Later in life, she became known for her work with the homeless. In L.A., she had a, an annual Christmas event where she would get celebrities to donate food and toiletries and clothes for the homeless or the needy in L.A. And just watching her supervise all of those volunteers was just, it's, it's a thing of magic because she was so tiny, but so big in personality and people were following her and she, she wasn't afraid to get her own hands dirty. She wasn't just telling people what to do. She was doing it herself. I think that something I learned from Maple is one, to be nice to everybody because she was always nice to everybody. And she made helping people look fun and made me jealous to want to help people, <laughs> which is odd, you know, because I, I live in a city where people don't really seem to help people. <laughs> Hi, my name is Amy Beeman. I'm currently located in Chandler, Arizona. My audio altar is for Maddie Noss. Maddie was very really kind of contagious person. I mean, his laughter was contagious and his enthusiasm was infectious. If I were able to speak to him, I'd say, you know, let us know. He didn't tell anybody that he was suffering, unfortunately. So it was a real shock. He was supposed to be picked up for his end of his school year in college and there was a letter saying that he was gone and there was no other indication prior to that and if we just would have had some some forewarning we could have done something well I have suffered through my own suicidal ideation and I know that for a while it can go undetected and so I guess what I have learned is just because somebody appears that they're doing okay doesn't necessarily mean they are doing okay. And that you have to pay very close attention to people. Let's take care of each other. Hi, my name is Jose Covarrubias. I am currently in my apartment in New York City. I grew up in San Diego, Chula Vista, border town. I want to leave a digital friend now from my baby sister, Monica Covarrubias. She passed away last year from COVID. And so I just remember getting to play dress up with her and getting to do her makeup for Halloween. And she was always my willing Barbie. My sister was the sweetest, kindest person. She was the baby of the family, so she was a little bit spoiled, but we, you know, we loved her. 
but she was always worried about the family as a whole as, and was always checking in on everybody. And I want to leave a digital ofrenda for my father, Juan Jose Covarrubia, who passed away last year, also from COVID, a few days before my sister. My dad was very much all about life and loving life and laughing and um he was very positive and he was my first generation. He was from Mexico. He came over and I remember at seven years old going to tell him, I asked him if I could be in ballet. I wanted to be in ballet class. And the next thing I knew I was in baseball for the next seven years. <laughs> so I got, you know, because your dad says you're going to play baseball and I'm spending money on baseball. You don't argue with your dad, you, you know, so you try and be the best you can. And turns out I ended up learning a lot of lessons from baseball. I learned about teamwork. I learned a, a, a very impressive skill as far as like, you know, being athletic. And uh, I, I did end up being a dancer later on in life. I got to, you know, I performed, I toured, I toured the world singing and dancing. But one of my parlor trips was always like the fact that I could hit a ball and I could throw and catch. And now I belong to a gay softball league. And, you know, this past season, we just won second place. So, yeah, for me, it's the fact that whenever I came home, you know, we didn't really talk about the sexuality thing too much because, you know, he's a very machismo man. And so when all else failed and we couldn't talk about the family anymore, we couldn't talk about weather, we could always talk about the Padres. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Happy Dia de los Muertos. Um, I hope you enjoy these memories as much as they bring me joy every day. A big, huge thanks to everyone who called in and left an audio ofrenda for us. And please go to latimes.com and see the digital ofrenda that so many of you have helped to create. And that's it for this episode of The Times, essential news from the LA Times. This episode was produced by Kinsey Moreland and David Toledo, edited by Hebel Urbani, and mixed and mastered by Mark Nieto. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistants are Carlos Siloera and Roberto Reyes. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmina Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Heba El Urbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Epin. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back Friday with all the news in this month. Gracias.